I was sharing with uh, some people before service started. Uh, I have become the family uh, fried turkeyer, okay? And evidently, everything went well because I still have eyebrows today. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So I'm grateful for today, grateful for you all, uh, grateful for this church, grateful for our pastor. Uh, man, we're, God has just put us in a great place this year, and I'm just so excited about it. Uh, November is one of my best months. Uh, it's my birthday. Thank you. Amen. Matter of fact, I have a picture. I, I usually go places on my birthday and hang out with some of my friends. So I got a picture I want to show y'all of my birthday. Dan, if you can put my birthday picture up there real quick. There you go. Yeah, that's my, that's my birthday picture. That's me, me and one of my closest friends, Mark Glow there. No, I'm just joking. That, that picture was taken some time ago. But just pictures like that bring up good memories. Don't be taking pictures of that, putting it on Facebook. I'm looking, looking for cameras going up and taking pictures. Okay, Dan, you can take it down now. Thank you. But just great memories with great people. You start thinking about those things, it starts bringing back great memories, and you just, man, I just, I just want to live there forever. I wish every month was November. It's just, I just want to live there forever. But unfortunately, it's not that way. Sometimes we go through life and we have struggles and we have trials, have temptations, and sometimes we ask God, why me, why now, why here? And so God has to give us power to make it through those difficult times. As a matter of fact, the holidays may be your worst time of the year. It's the time of the year where you start remembering relatives, you start remembering a bad marriage that went astray, you start looking at your finances and you say, man, there is no way that I can make it through life. You start looking at people on Facebook and you start looking at their lives and you start comparing your life with theirs and you start getting depressed. And from depression comes anger, anger, bitterness. And soon after that, you start falling away from God. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. So we're going to pray today and we're going to ask God to reveal to us through his word how do we get through these terrible times and stay the course that he has set for us? Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We're so grateful for your hand being upon us. Lord, we're thankful for who you are and what you are to us. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak this morning. Father, don't let it be me. Lord, would you speak clearly to the hurts that are in this congregation today? Lord, would you encourage those who are running the course with faithfulness? Father, these and all things we ask in your son Jesus' name, amen. And you know, sometimes we think that trouble is just only relegated for just a few folks. We think that sometimes that God is just picking on us for something that we've done, a sin that we've committed, and you're saying, God, why me? I was at, had the opportunity to go pray with a lady. She was in her 80s this week. And as I went into this old lady's house, I mean, she was just on her walker going in, and me and a, a chaplain went in, and, and we talked to her. And I said, well, can we pray for you? She said, absolutely. So I got down on my knee, and I start praying for her, and the other chaplain was there praying for her. And 
and we just start talking about the faithfulness of God and how he was always there for her. And as we got up, she just had tears just running down her eyes. She says, my husband's in the back. He's got cancer. I don't know how much longer he's going to live, and I've been taking care of him for I don't know how long. Real dark and gloomy in the house. And she says, sometimes I just don't know if God cares about me. She said, I look out and I see everybody else prospering, but me, is just like I'm just in the same situation day after day. And does God really care? Some of you have wayward children, and you're looking at pictures of other people's children, and, or you go to Thanksgiving, and you see everybody else in their family. They're talking about how their children are in law school, and they're doctors, and they're nurses, and you're just trying to figure out if your son is going to be alive tomorrow. And you start asking the questions, God, do you care? And can I make it out of this? Can I give you some encouragement today? Stay the course. Stay the course. You see, because this problem is not just relegated for just a few, because what we're going to do today is I want you to go in Scripture to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And in this particular song, it talks about a guy by the name of Asaph. And before I started studying this, I never knew about Asaph, so I had to do a little research on it. And Psalm 73 actually just gives the story, one of the many Psalms of Asaph. But if you go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 15, it starts telling you about how Asaph actually came on the scene. You see, in, Psalm, in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, David was planning on bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And as he prepared to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, they did some things wrong. They put the Ark on a wheelbarrow. God said not to put it on a wheelbarrow. He wanted the Levites to carry it. And so they start walking. They start trying to bring it back to Jerusalem. Uh, Uzzah, Uzzah puts his hand on the, on the Ark. Uh, he thought it was going to fall, so God kills him right there immediately. God, David says, hey, all right, stop the party. We cannot bring the ark back right now. God is upset with what we're doing. We've got to go back and change the strategy. So they leave the ark at a gentleman by the name of Obed-Edom's house for three months. God blesses his home. David goes back. He has a war with the Philistines. He says, all right, now we're going to try this again. All right, Levites, you are in charge. God specifically said, you are in charge of bringing the ark back. I want you to go and consecrate yourself. Set yourselves apart for what God is preparing to do in our midst. And so the Levites do that. They go back. They get ready. They consecrate themselves. They go back and look at the law and say, okay, this is how God says we need to do this. We need to bring it on our shoulders. You know, we need to make sure we obey everything that God is telling us to do. If not, he can kill us out. He'll do it. He just did it. He'll kill us. So we got to make sure we're doing everything that God has told us to do. And as they were doing that, they assigned three people to lead worship. And the scripture it says that they uh, assign Heman, Asaph, and Merari, and Ethan. Well, that's four, but it's three. It's Ethan. <laughs> so he signs those three people, and that's where Asaph actually comes on the scene. And he comes in, and he starts giving worship. Can you just imagine just the, the celebration that they had as they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant from Kiriath-Jerim back to 
Jerusalem. They were celebrating. Matter of fact, the Bible says that David danced so much, he even danced out of his clothes. I don't want to see none of that today, but that's what he did. They danced and they celebrated. And, and Asaph was able to take part in all of this. And so he saw the goodness of God. He was appointed as one of the people who were singing unto God. And it was just a very joyful time. Almost like your Novembers, just joyful times. But at some point between there and Psalm 73, something happens. Let's take a look at the scripture. Psalm 73, chapter 1. And it reads, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Now I want to stop there. Asaph was in touch with the truth. He was in touch with the truth. He knew God was good to Israel. He said, I, I've seen God move. I've seen him from the time we took the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. I've seen God move. I've seen us have victory in battles, and, and I know he's good. So how does that apply to me today, Pastor Ken? How does that apply to me? You know what? Because sometimes when we get in problems, we start blaming God instead of looking at ourselves. And Asaph says, hey, it's not God. He's been good to me. He's been so good to me, better than I could ever be to myself. God has been good to Israel. He's been good to you too. That time when you could have been dead, that time when you could have been strung out on drugs, that relationship that you knew you shouldn't have been in, God saved you. He's been good to you. He's been good to all of us. But look at verse 2. He says, but as for me, my foot almost slipped. As for me, my foot almost slipped. You see, I was doing good, but as for me, I almost slipped. I almost fell off the wagon. I knew how good God had been. I knew his promises. I knew how he had took me from one point to the next. But as for me, my foot almost slipped. It almost slipped. Anybody else ever been there? You've seen the goodness of God. You've experienced his love and his kindness. And all of a sudden, you take your focus off of him. And your foot almost slips. Let's see what else he says here in the scripture. He says, my foot almost slipped, came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. And look at what he says. This is why his foot almost came close to stumbling. Look, look at what it says. He says, for I was envious of the arrogant. I saw, look at that, circle that word, I saw. That means his focus was not on God, it was on other people. Y'all see that? He says, I was envious of the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And number two, point number two, that means that there were some inner struggles. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to break it down for you because we all have this. What happens is when we take our eyes or our focus off God and we start looking at other people, we start comparing what they have to what we have. He says, God, their prosperity. They're taking their boat and they're going to the lake every weekend and I'm going to church. 
They've got money in the bank. They've got 401Ks. It just seems like they are never running dry. You know, I'm always over here, and they're always here. Something is always happening, and he just could not reconcile in himself why those things were happening. That's what happens when we take our focus off God and put our focus on other people. Let's look at else he was looking at. Verse 3, I was envious of the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wealth of the wicked. For there are no pains in their death and their body is fat. What that means is they're looking at, he's looking at their health. He's comparing their health. Hey, they're always healthy. And me, I'm always sick. There's something always going on here. And it almost seems like nothing is happening to them. Look at this. They're not in trouble as other men, nor they plague like mankind. He's comparing saying, look. God, nothing ever happens to them. They look like they're living a life of favor. They're getting scholarships and different things. They're going to colleges, real nice colleges. God, I'm doing what's right, but God, I still feel like there's nothing happening here to me, but they are always prospering. Why does this happen? And it almost seems like God is unfair, doesn't it? Look at what else they look at. Verse 6, it says, their pride is their necklace. He's looking at their attitude. Their garments of violence covers them. Their eyes bulge from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run riot, meaning everything that they want, they get. They see something and they get it. They want something and they get it. It just seems like it's just never ending. Look at verse 9. It says, they have set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue parades throughout the earth. They talk about God. God is not this. God is not that. How can he do this? How can he do that? He's not God. And he's, they start bad-mouthing who God is. And look at this. In verse 10, it says, therefore the people turn to this place, return to this place. And the waters of abundance are drunk by them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge with the Most High? Verse 12 says, behold, these are the wicked. So not only does he become envious of these wicked people, but he also starts to doubt what God had did in his own life. Now, this is Asaph, remember. This is the guy who was leading worship, and he's looking at other people's lives. He got envious, and he started doubting what God had done. Look at verse 13. Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. For I've been stricken all the day long and chastened every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the children, uh, the generation of thy children. Which means that he said, look, if I had started talking about this, how fair this was to everybody else, I would have betrayed the children of God. He said, so I can't even say anything. He says, you know, in our situations, he said, there is, there is a time for me to speak and there's a time for me to be quiet. He said, look, if, if I start talking about this, I'm going to lead people astray or away from God. And sometimes in our problems, we start talking about stuff and you start pushing people away from the cross. Amen. Yes, we do. So we have to be careful. He recognized this. He says, I can't do that. But listen to how the tide begins to change. In verse 16, when I pondered to understand this, 
that was troublesome in my troublesome in my sight. I couldn't understand this. I thought about it day after day, time after time. I could not understand why God would do this. Why would God allow people who are not doing good to prosper and for me not to prosper? God, I don't understand. In verse 17, in verse 17, he came back to a place set apart for worship. He came back to a place that was set apart for worship. Now, this is the good part. He says, until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived therein, surely thou dost set them in slippery places. Thou dost cast them down to destruction, how they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away in sudden terror, like a dream when one awakes. O Lord, when aroused, thou wilt despise their form. When my heart was embittered, I was pierced within. I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Do you see that? For thou hast taken hold of my right hand. With thy counsel, thou wilt guide me. And afterwards, receive me to glory. Why do I come to church? Why do I think that the fellowship of the saints is important? Is because when I come to the sanctuary of God, God makes clear to me what his word is. You see, when you miss coming to hear God's word, you are missing out on the blessings of God and understanding who he is. So when I am going through problems and going through issues, it is important for me to, to go back to or to return to a place of worship. The devil will have you thinking, hey, if you are outside of the fellowship of God, you need to stay away from church. You don't need to go to church. They're going to be looking at you crazy. But God, the Asaph says, when I came back to the sanctuary, I understood. It became clear to me what God was going to do for those who stayed outside of his will. I want to go back just a little bit to verse 23. He says, nevertheless, I'm continually with ye. I'm continually. Every day when I wake up, I need to put my hand back in the Lord's hands. God starts to reveal truth through his word, through worship and prayer. And he continues to guide me by his word. Verse Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He does those things for me. He does them for me. He does that just for you. If there's been times in your life where you've felt like, God, you've forgotten about me. He has not. He has not forgotten about you. No, he hasn't. He's waiting on you to come back to the sanctuary of God. He's waiting. But it gets better than that. Verse 25. This is what the psalm writer says. He says, who have I in heaven besides you? 
And besides thee, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But behold, those who are far off from thee will perish. Thou hast destroyed all those who are unfaithful to thee. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all thy works. When I look at verse 25... Not only do I come back to a place set apart for worship, but also I see in the scripture that Asaph realized the treasure in worshiping and trusting the true God. He realized the treasure in worshiping and trusting the true God. He says, who and I, who have I in heaven but you? God, there is nobody else but you. I've gone different places I've, I've heard different things, but he says, there's, there's no one else but you. Who do I have in heaven but you? When we get to the place in our lives where we say, God, there is nobody else but you. There's nobody greater than you. Nobody. Instead of depending on people and circumstances and things and resources, I'm depending on God and I'm saying, God, there's no one in heaven besides you. No one who can touch me like you can. There's no one who can comfort me like your word can. God, there is no one who can dry my tears like you can. God, there is nobody who can repair the breach like you can. God, you are my God. There is no one like you. See, when you take your focus off the living God, you start putting your trust in people and things and circumstances, and you base everything off your emotions. And Asaph says, I did that for a little while until I came back into the sanctuary of God, and I realized who he He says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far off from me or thee will perish. Thou hast destroyed all those who are unfaithful to thee. And 28 is really why I want to hang my hat. Go ahead and put a little star by that. Verse 28. He says, but as for me, the nearness of God was my good. Now, I don't know if you understand what that means. Asaph, in his history, said, I've seen everything. I've experienced the best. I have, I, I've saw the Ark of the Covenant come back. I have experienced all those things. He says, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. He says that the closer I get to God, the better I am. (laughs) He says, the closer I get to him, the more I read his word, the more I pray, the more I speak his name, the closer I am to him. And the closer I am to him, the better I feel. I don't know where you are today, but you may be sitting in here today and you're saying, man, I'm just having a day in the dumps. But God says, get close to me. 
get close. It's like Asaph said, he says, the nearness of God is my good. He says, there is no greater place to be than close to God. Many of you are here and you're playing outside the fringes. And God is calling you to come back. He's saying, stop playing with church. Stop playing with your life. I want you to come back. Asaph said, the nearness of God is my good. There's no greater place to be than in the presence of God. There's no more joyful place than to be in the presence of God. While you're at home and you're crying and you're trying to figure out how to make it through life, how do I get past this one more hurdle or how do I get past these difficult points in my life? God is telling you today, the nearness will be good for you. The nearness will be good for you. Well, Pastor Ken, how do I get near to God? First, I come to him. That's the first step. I have to come to him. I surrender my life to him. And that word surrendered means I am giving him complete and full control of my life. And when I give him full control of my life, I submit myself to his will, which means I do whatever he tells me to do. I keep my ears open. I keep my word open. I continue to pray and I seek the Lord because I only do what he tells me to do. Nearness of God is for your good. You're asking a question, how do I stay the course? How do I do that? Asaph sums it up. He said, if you want to stay the course, he says, I make the Lord God my refuge. I make him the place where I go and hide. And then the last sentence in that particular verse, he said, and it's not for me. I don't want to get well just for me. He says, I want to get well so that I may tell of all thy works. I want to tell everybody else about how good you've been, how faithful you've been. So as I close, for believers, if you're in here today and you're a believer, and you're figuring out how do I trust God through troubled times and how do I stay the course, you need to come back to a place of worship. You've probably been away for a long time. And God is saying, come back. He said, you have experienced what my presence has felt like. You read my word, but for some reason, you slipped and you fell. And God is calling you today. He's saying, come back. Come back to a place of worship. The second thing, once you get back, I realize that there is a treasure in serving and worshiping God. I have to realize that. And then I continue to put my faith and my trust in him. One of the things that I tell people all the time, faith is not faith until it's tested. 
Faith is not faith until it's tested. In other words, you can tell me you got faith all you want, but until you walk through something and keep your hand in God's hand, you understand how strong your faith really is. So as we close today, I want to invite you. First, we're going to pray. Maybe throughout this message, you saw yourself and you say, you know what, Pastor Ken? I almost slipped. And when you read the scripture this morning, God spoke to me and told me that I need to get back in right relationship and fellowship with him. So we're going to pray. I'm going to ask the Lord. We're going to ask the Lord to speak to our hearts this morning. Father, I thank you so much for this morning. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you because just like Asaph, I almost slipped until I came into the sanctuary of God and I heard your word being spoken. I heard of your faithfulness, God. I saw your promises, God, in your word. And God, you showed me that the nearness of God is my good. Not for my own self, so that I may tell others about you. 